Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to part two with the Dean and EJ, the Books Boys. Woo! Whoa, baby! So, PJ, the the next book that I uh, read is the German, the East German spy mistress. Now, Ooh. this is by Natalia Pastukova and co-authored by a certain Mr. Peter Morris. Nice. Sounds good. I so like we've the got, title. It's kind of a spy book. You know, you've got your mystery type stuff. You've got that East German kind of post-World War II going into the Cold War era type setting. Um, I believe it is a sequel. There was the East German police girl also. And um, before oh, this right. one by Natalia. And oh, so hold on a second. You're reading the sequel here, or well, I don't, the... I don't know if it's a direct sequel in the sense that I, you know, I was able to read this without having read the first one. I, I didn't yeah. feel like I was missing something, you know. But it's a series, right? Sounds good. Um, you would love this not only because it's got that well, East German spy mistress. You already were intrigued by the title, but also it's got um. Lots of jokes and humor in a in a Woodhouseian kind of way. Okay. Oh, that's so that's just, always good for me. Yeah. yeah, it's just peppered full of a few little jokes. Right hole here and there. Right yeah, hole. yeah. There's a, there's a bit where there's some posh English chaps, you know, and they they call in and they say something and say, "Oh, what's going on here?" And they say, "Oh, sorry, I should say rather." And he kind of corrects himself and and puts like the English version. And so I thought that was very funny, yeah. you know. Oh, cool. And it's a fascinating kind of period, I find, you know, East Germany being, you know, locked itself away from the other part. And it's uh, interesting, I find. It It is interesting. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what happens in this book. We have um, a lady called Ulrike. She is the East German spy mistress. Okay. So cool. she um, she's the spy mistress. Now, we have another. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit into the book. Um because she meets her cousin and her cousin doesn't mm-hmm. realize that it's her, but, but she does. And, and she sends him off on some, some mission. Okay. But there's a little bit just before we get to that, there's a chap, Dardry. There's a lot of characters in the book, so it is difficult to keep up with them at times. And um, there's a chap, Dardry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I include this note just as a way to show you the spy element. So he gets cornered by some people and they, um, Dardry is the, the, the kind of corporal, the, uh, the, the, the investigator, and there's a chap, Aziz, and they take his box of matches. And he thinks he's going to get away with being a spy, you know? And they take his matches, and he says, why have you got my matches? And then they try to light some, and they say, they're duds, they're duds. And half of them are duds. And he says, well, they got damp, you know? 
And the police are able to say, well, that's interesting because uh, we had a guy recently with some duds and it turned out that and it was part of some plan, like the duds were actually, you know, encoded with like ink that would write a message or something. So there was a scheme behind it, you know, so there's, there's that oh, kind of stuff okay. going on. Um, yeah, cool. So it's it's kind of cool that there's there's a couple of ingenious little um, bits like that peppered into it. Nice. But there's also large amounts of sex in the book. Like someone will just go to the bar and a girl will be beside him and they just be like, hey, do you want to have sex? And she's like, yeah, cool. Like, it's that easy. <laughs> and I thought this was Woodhousian, I suppose, sex and, and while talking Woodhousian. Kind of. It's kind of a, an interesting mix, yeah. And so there's a the guy's running this kind of bakery and uh, he goes in and he sits, he, there's, a, there's a very pretty girl near him and he kind of says, would you like, uh... he basically offers to have sex with her as a prostitute but instead of paying her money, he will just give her some sticky buns from, from the bakery. And he says, you know, mm-hmm. how about your sticky bun in exchange for these sticky buns? So there's kind of this uh, crude humor kind of thrown in. And she sleeps with him, of course. And I'm, I'm reading it thinking, this is unbelievably easy. But then it turns out, no, of course, it was a setup that particular time. Right. And uh, yeah, she's, yeah. she's working with the authorities, you know, trying to track down, you know, communist sympathizers and, and that type of thing. So oh, sometimes right, okay. it's so because easy that it was a scam, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I thought that was sounding a bit, okay, what's, what's, what kind of novel is this now? But she okay. just sleeps with them, though. <laughs> like, they, they, they just find it's a scam until afterwards. <laughs> Okay, okay. So that's the kind of the, the, the joke turns back on itself then. Um, right again. But this guy, Koberg, uh, he then discovers that he get he gets called in to see the authorities. And who is it? It's actually his cousin, Ulrika. And she says, we're going to send you on a mission. And he says, what, am I going to be killing people? And she's like, well, yeah, you'll be killing people, but you'll also be doing some other stuff. And we kind of get the feeling that she's going to use him for some mm. silly missions almost, you know, just like... Not, he's probably not going to be doing anything really that important. At least that's the impression that I get. But Ulrich is right. now traveling all around the place. At one point, she's in Northern Ireland, actually. she They mention, oh. uh, I think she's, she, she arrives at Larne Port, and then she's in Carrick, and she's over in Derry. She doesn't make it over here to, to kind of Belfast, Lisbon area, but she's just traveling around. She's there, you know, they're over in like Egypt and stuff. Uh, there's, there's some clues relating to Zeus, which turns out to be the Suez Canal and this kind of stuff. So, so there's a lot oh, of traveling yeah, yeah, yeah. around, you know? All right, okay. Which is, uh, you know, the Suez Canal, that's, uh, I mean, isn't it, isn't it Zeus spelled backwards? Is that the kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So that was an easy, an easy clue. Clever, clever. Um, no, but it's still kind of, yeah, clever. But I like that Derry, you know, I'm a, cool. a fun spot for Derry. Yeah. Because of the Derry. I've never been, obviously. never been. What, Derry Girls? You haven't seen Derry Girls? I've seen the show, but I've never actually been to Derry Stroke London Derry. No, not never in my life. Huge fan, though, anyway. But anyway, yeah. yeah so. But there's nice flashback scenes where she goes to live with her Uncle Oscar because her parents just can't deal with her anymore. And then her uncle promptly ships her off somewhere else because uh, she's a hot potato niece who wants to, you know, kind of sleep around with all the boys. So he, he can't uh, deal with her. This is set in the in, in the eighties, maybe. What kind of period in? Because you know, East Germany was a good, um, you know, the Cold War. Germany, era. What, so, what's hard? Um, the year on the back is nineteen fifty-five. Oh, nineteen fifty-five. Okay, right before the burden was. So just kind yeah. of after the Second World War. Okay, okay, I was thinking later. Um, right, okay. But yeah, basically, the uncle sends her off with a tobacconist and kind of says, "Okay, you go and work with him, and uh, you know, I wash my hands of you because you're." essentially sleeping around and, and and that 
that kind of thing. The, it's interesting because the book is, you know, written by a well, a, a team, a male and female uh, team, but it is the it is the female author whose name is kind of in big on the front, and yet the book is uncharacteristically full of kind of crass sex bits, you know. Um, and there's yeah. some bits that are difficult, you know. There's a there's a part where a, a girl actually is killing. There's one guy who's killing women. And then even after they're dead, he's just like, well, I'm just going to have sex with her here anyway, because like, um, but he's got this kind of social problem, like all the girls are rejecting me. So he's kind of got a vendetta against them almost, you know, and even after yeah. he, he kind of kills her, he's like, well, I'm just going to slip my hand up her skirt here. And, you know, the, the book was into a bit more graphic detail that I'm not necessarily going to go into. But at the same time, it's yeah. not a, it's not really too graphic. Like it is always trying to, for the most part, it's trying to keep up a relatively lighthearted vibe with those kind of uh, Woodhousian little quips coming in here and there. It's kind of a bit over the place. Like it's got the graphic parts, it's got the side like parts, it's got the jokes, you know, it's it's accomplishing a lot. Sounds like a mix of, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, sounds like almost as, as if um, they're blending a lot of genres. Is it a bit postmodern in that sense, in the sense of like, you know, mixing the genres that are unexpected a bit. Are they kind of... Yeah, I suppose it is a bit. And again, with the travel all over the place and different characters coming and going, it it, it can be difficult to keep up with it. You know, you've got to take your time with it. Okay, um, but it was it was an enjoyable enough read. And I'll just give you another example of the spy stuff. One that I particularly remember. Uh, these two cops come to her, her house, at Rick's house, and um, they're having a chat and they're both kind of sizing each other up. And eventually she gets the gun. And she's kind of like, ah, they were so stupid. Like, they let me get the gun. And then the cops were like, yeah, you thought we were stupid. Look at the gunpowder in your sink. Like, I already found your gun and emptied it before you even thought to grab it, you know? So it's always kind of like being a step ahead, which I think is is pretty cool. Right, okay. Uh, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite jokes is he took an overdose of bleach three days ago. Uncle Bert says, oh, is there a correct dose of bleach? And she says, well, that depends on your opinion of the recipient. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good, yeah. So there's a few uh, like that, you know, so it's a nice mix. So I'm trying to just give you a few samples of the humor, the spy stuff and the sex stuff to kind of, and just mix it all together in a pot, basically. And yeah. that's what you have. Well, you know, it's very trendy that where they call it postmodern literature when, uh, you know, not just because of the era post post war they usually refer usually either after Second World War or after the Berlin Wall fell down. Mm. But I mean, authors like Murakami, for example, or Sam Rushdie, like you know, seventies, eighties onwards, particularly, they started blending genres and they're like, are like even imitating famous works like Don Quixote or P.J. Woodhouse or Shakespeare, and then adding some kind of sci-fi or horror elements. So it's very that's what it sounds like to me. Like they're like they're all like all these postmodern authors, like really well-read authors, you know, who kind of can't help but give homages to very different kinds of authors and then put it on one novel. I, I kind of feel two ways about it, to be honest. I sometimes enjoy it, um, mm. but sometimes I feel like the simplicity of just a beautiful story is it's, is more important for me than a constant homage. Yeah, but it sounds like it, both this has an interesting story and. Um, and a lot of homage. Yeah, so, so I think what's great is that the actual story works, whereas, you know, if I, if, I read, if I read just a Woodhouse and I just see these jokes, yeah, I know you like him, but I find that it lacks an actual plot. You know, this is an actual <laughs> spy plot, so it's perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Sometimes, it just, sometimes these postmodern authors do just cover the lack of story with just, uh, here's my pastiche of the last 10 books I've read. 
Yeah. And I'm imitating him slightly. Yeah. So, yeah. What's nice as exactly. well is, you know, I love the English humor. So they're making fun of the posh English guys, you know, rather. And one of them's called Sir something or other, even though, you know, he's not a real Sir and all this kind of stuff. So I, I like that. Um, but we do have a few bits of social commentary about corruption at the time in like Arab nations. Um, you know, it's very easy to get anything done if you just slip someone a, you know, a few. Uh, notes a few bills and all of a sudden you can kind of get things done a bit quicker or they even say at one point is that not illegal and it's like well, yeah i'm sure the king's really worried about it like this particular case you know yeah. like kind of like yeah it's illegal but no one really cares um yeah, sounds good and then it's a pity a, we can so yeah i said there's also a, so a, ma- a magazine article called how to discombobulate english snobs uh which i which i i quite yeah. enjoy yeah. that uh that title but yeah, it would have been nice to to chat to the authors about the book. Yeah, I know, but I well, can't chat to them all, can you? I mean, that's a bit. Oh, PJ, I think we're I think we're getting a we're getting a call here. Let's see who we got on the line. I'm Peter. If you're talking to me, ah, we've got Hi, Peter. Peter. Peter, how's it going? Uh, very well. I'm in contact, so that has to be a good start. That's fantastic, Peter. Well, look, we're we're delighted to have you in the show. Dean was just talking about your uh, about your book, so it's lovely Thank that you're you. coming. We were just talking yeah. about the the East German spy mistress. Um, Peter, do you want to tell us a little bit? So, on the front cover here, I've got you know Natalia, and then inside, of course, Natalia, um, Paskova, and Peter Morris. So, what what what's the um the writing vibe here? Like, is it is it sort of a fifty fifty, or is it you know are you assisting Natalia? What's the um the setup here? The original scheme and a lot of the bits and pieces, a lot of the elements do come from Natalia, who is Russian. They're a very competent linguist. But she met my brother, who's head of English at a posh girls school and said, do you know someone who can help me, you know, you know bring in more um, colloquialisms and idioms yeah. and, and, and so forth. And so I have done a lot of the writing, or even most of it, really. Right, okay. okay. Uh, but so she's the originator. And it helped her with the story and made it... Yeah, okay, I get it. Okay, interesting. So you're the right... So it's more Natalia's kind of the storyboard, kind of here's the ideas, and you're kind of writing it all, put, putting yes. it together, essentially. Cool. Well, yes. and, very nice. And, I was going to ask, is it yourself? So there's one thing I really enjoy about the book is the little quips and the little pieces of humour Um almost kind of PG Woodhouse vibes. Is that uh, yeah. is that coming from yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, I t- I t- I'm a bit of a thief, actually. If people say funny things, I comment it down and use it. I think by right. myself, I'm not particularly witty. Um, but, I'm, yeah, but yes, I have no um, shame about nicking things from people. Well, don't we need I to mean, report? The, the other that's... thing that's crossed my mind, think, I mean, thinking about this book today as well, I mean, if you go back before the 1960s, when there was a bit of a sort of a watershed and the country became a bit more inward looking, people were much more sure uh, about their convictions. And in a way, that makes these people back in the 50s and 60s slightly, as long as you don't make the mistake of turning them into caricatures or become sentimental, it makes them a little bit easier to define than a lot of modern people. Mm. Um, Mm, Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there I mean, certainly is a lot of complexity in today's world, so that uh, that could well be true. Yeah. 
I mean, well, yeah, one of Jane Austen's things, isn't it, about how you know if somebody's grown up is if they know their own mind sort of thing. And uh, right. I think today it's, some people are not quite so sure of their own mind, really. They're a bit bamboozled, really. Right. So yeah. it was easy for you to maybe tune in to the 50s and have like these, not as you were saying, not caricatures, but clearly defined people who know who they are. So in some sense, kind of more graspable. Right. And they're, yeah, they're, yes, that's right. They're, they're sure of what they're doing. They have a bit of certainty right. about what they're doing. I mean, I'm 72. I'm quite an old guy, really. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, my dad fought in Burma in the war. And I mean, he didn't, I don't think he particularly wanted to be there, but they knew what they were doing type thing, if you know what I, I mean. I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what you're doing. You've got your objectives. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your objectives. I mean, is there going to be more writing is it going to be another book or what's the plan now i'm delighted you've asked that question i've just about to launch a book called mary and her seven devils um oh, it's wow. about a modern it's about a modern it's written in the first person as well so i've rather ambitiously tried to put myself into the mind of a young female psyche which is a university student who's being sort of you know, she's tempted into sort of sexual psychopathy. She's tempted into trendy ideas. But she's got a bit of courage and a bit of character. And she um, she comes out of it all right. And uh, by uh, and also by loving a rather lonely and um, uh, poor student. She, I mean, she not only saves him, but she sort of deepens herself as well. Mm -hmm. So that's called Mary and the and the Seven Devils. So because it's slightly based on the idea of Mary of Magdala, mm -hmm. who of course was cured of seven devils, because um, right. she does make a few mistakes on the way and she needs to be cured of them. Um, okay. So, but that's just me. That's not Natalia. That's you yourself. Okay, and it is. Have you worked on? It does say in the beginning here, you know, that there was a previous book, The East German Police Girl. Did you work with Natalia on that one also? Yes, I did. Well, in fact, that was the first one. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's a little bit more profound. That's about two young women, one who's a police girl who's, I mean, because this is, again, East Germany in the 1950s, which is a pretty grim place. Yeah. And then the police girl is a pretty decent girl, but she's pretty active and tries to fix things and escape. Whereas the other one is a, a musician and organist, and she's fatalistic, and she just accepts a, a wrongful death. Mm -hmm. so there's a sort of contrast between a, an active and a passive girl really. one, one thing I was just, just saying to PJ though a few moments ago is what I really love is that this book is combining multiple ideas for, for me at least you've got the narrative obviously there's the, the, there's the spy plot but we've got these spy elements you know the, the, the cops turn up at one point and she's going to trick them by using the gun and then they've already emptied the gun you know so there's like they're thinking ahead but then we're combining that with these kind of P.G. Woodhouse-style little bits of humour, so the likes of, you know, is there a correct dose of bleach to use? And this is what depends on on who the recipient <laughs> is, you know, these kind of little jokes that are being thrown in, <laughs> coupled with, like, quite racy, sexy parts at times. So it's an interesting kind of mix of, of, of themes, um, and I just thought it was really skillfully kind of put together. Thank you very much. No, I suppose you have to lighten it. You don't want to go down the... I mean, I... I'm not John le Carre, and uh, and it's not trying to be that, um, mm. uh, because all these people are to uh, to some extent fumbling, and things don't work out as they plan. And uh, I mean, the 
Awika, the, the spy mistress, she's very much the victim of circumstance. I mean, she's not some malicious person who's fought her way to the top. Mm. Um, <clears throat> her father was a, a, the consul in Damascus before the war, and she's got a good education, so she knows languages, she's done cryptography and so on. So, so it's a sort of, you know, she, she arrives there because it's the sort of path of least resistance and the, the best life open to her. Uh, not because she's a bad person. Uh, and I think that means you can have quite a bit of sympathy with her, even though what she's up to isn't particularly good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and and to say what she's up to, you know, we've got her own cousin, um, Coburg, and she sends him off on some missions and things. But what, one thing I really enjoyed was there's just a little part where they arrive in Northern Ireland, which is, of course, where I'm from. Um, so it was really nice to see yeah. they arrive at, at Larne, yeah. I think, is the, the port they, they, they pull in at. And that was kind of Yes, cool. they do. That's right. <laughs> So there is a lot of traveling around, you know, and obviously they're over and they're speaking with some some Arab uh, gentlemen and, and they're obviously in Germany and things and Sweden. There's a lot of traveling around. It's a lot to get to grips with, actually. There's a lot of kind of characters coming and going. And I had to kind of slow down a little bit. I have a tendency to race through books and I had to kind of slow myself down to, to take things in a little bit because it's lighthearted with its humor. But, there, you know, there is an actual plot there that you need to kind of think about and, and engage with as well. So I think it's a good mix all around. You, you've done a very thorough job, I have to say. I'm impressed that you've <laughs> absorbed so much from it. No, that's that's uh, that's what we do. Before, before we let you go, we like to ask every author, um, and that is, if there's one book in existence that you wish you had been the person to write, what would it be? I'm, I was very much impressed with Captain Corelli's Mandolin. I mean, in a way, like my book, that's got a lot of different strands. The, um, the, the, the crazy monologue from um, the Italian dictator. Uh, and the, the, there's all sorts of bits and pieces there. It's very profound. I mean, the, the book's far better than the film in that sense. Um, so, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm no book is completely you, is it? Uh, but who's no, I was very Sorry? impressed with that. Sorry, what? Well, who's the author from the book? Is he Louis Louis de Ber- Louis de Bernier? Is it? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, of course. No. Um, Captain Corella's mandolin. Right, I don't know what actually. Um, I also wish I had the same fame as he's managed to achieve, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. We don't. Yeah. We don't like that. Well, um, that's great. Do you have a? Do you guys have a website or anywhere that you want to plug or tell people where they can get the book? Even just something like that before you go. The East German Police Girl, all one string. Dot com. There we go. Cool. Awesome. Well, Peter, um, it's been it's been lovely uh, having you on, and we loved the book. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and thank you so much for calling into Books Boys. Thank you very much for inviting me. God bless. No problem. Thanks. Bye-bye. Back to me. As if two Cervantes, a Cormac McCarthy, Rio Sonora, East German spy mistress. That's five books. Um, And of course, I did cover three uh, plays this month. And I'm two-thirds of the way through the Harlem Coben book. So as if all that wasn't enough, I have two more books um, to cover that I I read this month. I might have read too much, but anyway. Well, don't worry. This is we know this about you. We would be a bit shocked if you only read one book or two. You know, that would be a bit <laughs> shocked. 
So the next book is only about 100 pages. And, and, and I think I want to mention, I only surpassed you one episode where I read more than you, and that was a lot of children books. That was in November. Yeah. That, that was the only time, and there were children books to be first, so it wasn't too difficult to surpass you in the amount. Next month, with the month being a little bit shorter, and with me having a holiday during that month, and is this I might, a holiday? Well, it will be. I'm going to London. I, I might, you know, I, I, I might do a long book, as well, I wouldn't be surprised if I only do like three books next month, maybe four. You can give, you can give me a chance to read a bit more books. I mean, like, I, I don't only have to rant about two books for a long time. What happens if just... I don't read any and then nor do you and we're just relying on little Alfred one month to, to, to fill in the Well, the we've, always, we've always got great extra content, like talk about our lives and talk about literary theory, you know, like, you know, yeah, talk, talk endlessly. We're endless, so... just like they never do stories. They never end <laughs> Just like some of our episodes, that's the feedback we get. Uh, yeah, exactly. This episode <laughs> seemed like it was never going to end, you know? So. <laughs> Neutral. So uh, you might have heard of this chap, Miguel de Unamuno. I, um, I believe that you're a, you're a fan and you've reviewed him before. And I read Amor y Pedagogia. Um, yeah. I looked up what this meant. Um, and the translation was love and pedagogy. And then I was like, yeah, I, I guessed pedagogy, but I don't know what that means. So then I had to read yeah. about, well, I didn't know what it meant in English. So I had to go and read yeah, about what pedagogy do. was. To be honest, I'm not so clear either. Can you explain to me what is pedagogy? Essentially, it is the theory of the education of children. Okay, yeah, I thought it was something so about... I mean, yeah, if you, if you know the book, then you know it. So it's essentially love versus, like, this theory of how to educate children, okay? Okay. And this is short... It's only about 100 pages. My version is 200 pages because, as you know, they love to include lots of, um, oh, they love that. Uh, you know, intros and, and outros. And, uh, the, the, the Spanish thing sometimes, my, literally from Miguel de Nemuno, I've got San Bueno Martir, which is a novella, very short novella, more of a short story. And literally the book is about 100 pages of theory on some academic <laughs> <laughs> versus about 60 pages of the actual story. And yeah. it's so often the case with Spanish uh, books. It is. With... They love it. I think it's, it's a, it's a secret it. way to do the Anna Karenina method. You know, it's kind of like, it oh my is. God, Make this book's bigger, only 100 yeah. pages. We've got we to pad this one out. Like... <laughs> Spanish books are very expensive. So they must think of ways. They're like 20 of... euros. They're crazy yeah, no, expensive. I know, so they must make ways of making it. Just, just have some academic... And I do love it, but sometimes I feel like, okay, but who is this chap? Well, I, I never read it. I don't care about what someone thinks That's about the book. Sense, but I just feel like I just I did buy the book for because it, guys, not... why would you care about what someone else thinks about a book, eh? Oh, careful, <laughs> careful now, <laughs> careful. <laughs> That's very wow, uh, wow, wow. cheeky, cheeky. So, anyway, so basically, um, this chap Carascal. He has uh, he he gets with a lady. It's not the lady he thinks he'll get with. But he gets with a lady because it's just attraction, and they have a son and they later have a daughter. But he has this theory about like how to raise uh, children. Uh, just oh, so a... it is a story. I thought it was one of his philosophical texts. No, no, this is a novel, novella okay. maybe even. But oh, they they basically want to. He wants to raise a genius. So he has these theories about what he should do to raise the kid 
particularly the son. He doesn't really care about the daughter. Okay, <laughs> he just kind of abandons the daughter, um, but he wants to raise the son. And the wife is so long suffering, and he's always espousing these ridiculous theories. And she's always going around the house like, "Ay, Dios mío, qué teorías, qué teorías," and she keeps saying, "You know, you're falling, you're continuing to fall." That's her her catchphrases are, you know what theories or you know such theories and you're falling you're continuing to fall kind of to ruin like those are her two catchphrases that she keeps saying throughout the the book while he's doing this ridiculous stuff and telling her you know just let the kid cry don't give him any comfort we don't have any emotional reaction with the baby (laughs) you know why are you trying to why are you trying to give him kisses you're going to spread germs and microbes to the to the the baby to our little son you know he's going to be a genius don't don't be doing this don't be doing that and she's always like how can you tell me not to give comfort to our son and she's just trying to be like a normal mother and their house so even when someone asks her about the husband you know how is it going and she's like ah mi marido que casa ay dios mio que casa like it's just always like oh what's going on here what a house what theories what a husband like it's just she can't cope with his ridiculous um theories that are always going on you know and he's not particularly good to her. I mean, she doesn't even appear near the end. She's she's not really relevant. It's just like, how can I get my son to be a genius? That's that's really all he cares about. And, you know, there's some, I'm not going to go into the details, but some stuff happens to the daughter and everything. He has no interest. Um, and it all ends badly for him, but I'm not going to say how or why or who or what. Um, but the son's not a genius. Surprise, 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 right? What he actually needed was like a little bit of parental love. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he does not get that. His life turns out really badly because of it. Um, oh, okay. But the whole time, the father is just kind of like expecting him to be a genius. And, and why isn't he being a genius? And, you know, don't kiss him. Don't do this. Don't don't give him any attention when he's mm-hmm. sad and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the son also thinks the dad is crazy. Like, not just the wife. The son is like, my dad's a lunatic, you know? He's not <laughs> getting any respect. And he goes off to try to write some book that he thinks, you know, will will make him famous or whatever. The dad or the son? The son, sorry, the son. Oh. Um, and there's some funny bits as well where, like, I think he wants to teach him. He's not happy with what they're teaching him in school. And the son comes in, he, he's learned something. He says, like, the son tells all the planets where to be. And the dad's like, the son tells the planets where to be. What is this school teaching you? Personification of celestial bodies? Like, oh, this school is what? ridiculous. We're going to take you out of this school, you know? It's just like... Okay, you just you, you're talking to a child though, like it's just the way he's understood it. He doesn't really think the sun is talking to Mercury over there, you know. But yeah, yeah, interesting. He's just very cold with the whole thing. At one point, the sun is the sun. So literally, at one point, the sun is cold, and the dad just says, "Cold doesn't exist." And the mm. kid's like, "Yeah, but you're crazy. I'm I'm really cold." And he's just like, "Forget your emotions." Just, focus on your studies you know like he's just he's a terrible father actually essentially and he's uh, even worse to the daughter because he pays her no attention at all right and the whole you know it's interesting because i wanted to see more of it than i saw okay there is a little love story by the way the son does meet a girl but the girl can't end up with him she picks someone else just because this guy's too eccentric in the end and you know it's just not going to work he has no he's emotionally stunted because his father has purposefully made him that way so it's all Mm -hmm. very sad um and what what i don't like is that it is only 100 pages because Mm -hmm. i wanted to see a lot more you know it's almost in summary form 
But I'm thinking, okay, you told him not to kiss him. You told him not to, you know, go in when he cries. There could be more. You know, like, if that had been Dickens, there would have been like another 300 pages of examples of like how the sun was raised. You know, it, method, yeah. it, it, it feels very quick. And that's my only real flaw with it. Well, well, Una Muna tends to write very short books and novellas. Know, As always, San Bueno Martira, I would have liked to see more of it, but it is only 50 pages. Um, just a bit of background again. We've mentioned Una Muna before, but just to remind you guys, Una Muna is a philosopher, author, professor of Salamanca, and he belongs to the generation of 98. That's 1898, because that's when Spain lost its final colonies, really, especially Cuba, was the Cuban Independence War. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure was it was it they got independent or did they or, they, or anyway they had to sell land to Germany and to Spain it's all mixed up and literally this generation of authors uh, really kind of were hugely disappointed so Spain was always very proud of itself but at that point they so they began to realize okay Spain is losing the plot literally it's it's not a big empire anymore it's mm-hmm. nothing. So these are very pessimistic authors coming from 1898 yeah. onwards. Like you haven't gone to Pio Barroja yet, I think. I but haven't. when you get when you get to him, like, I'm not sure if you get you know, it's like <laughs> one of the dark, like the, this the the tree of science is one of the most depressing books I've ever read in my life. So I'm not sure if you, it's a it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, it's okay. influenced by naturalism, but not even because it doesn't go into huge realistic detail. It's just about these, often about these intellectual characters who deeply get it wrong and end up really unhappy. That's a big theme in a 98 generation. Mm-hmm. So, but I, you know, I do love, very much like it, this one. And I think I actually almost prefer, you know, these generations. And I've, I've done a lot of Spanish lit now, you know, from, from books yeah. to plays and things, and even some poetry. You know, and we looked at Vijay Inclan and Hernandez and everyone. I really, really love these um generations of spanish writers a lot more than i loved for example cervantes and clarine and like um yeah the real classic classics to be honest well yeah and don't forget vine clan was also 98th generation mm-hmm. uh, and a bit later as well um yeah no but you got interesting oh, authors i know what you mean that's called yeah. that's actually called a siglo de oro author cervantes and lopez vega so that's called golden mm. generation so maybe you actually prefer this slightly more deviating less known generations. I think me too, actually. I like Generation 98. Yeah. I like the later ones as well, like Generation 27, 36, which is more simpler. Yeah. They're cool. I like that Spain, I like I like that Spain, when you study Spanish literature, they really talk about generation of a certain year. I feel like most countries don't do that. They're really, yeah, they don't have English very big anymore, into yeah. classifying like what year groups they're in hmm. and they're very big into who was born and everyone's got their own characteristics and for example, Generation uh, 36, I think, is quite well known for being very simply written, kind of Hemingway style, whereas 98, as you just said, is very pessimistic, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you've got older generations as well. But, you know, I would much rather read, you know, Lorca than uh, going and finding more Clarine or something, you know? Yeah, because he's that simple generation. I think he is generation. I think he's 36 or one of the. Yeah, yeah, one of those. But anyway, this uh, book here is 1902. This. Um, in a book. Yeah, but, but again, I said well, four years after that whole, you know, eighteen ninety eight was a terrible year for Spain and for the morale. You see, um, mm. so interesting era. But Algo de la just, Ciencia. I, I want to say something. Like- I've I've thought about this, PJ. 
when I read something like an Orwell or, you know, nineteen eighty four, these big classics, I always think they've they've done world building. If only they'd been so much longer and given me so much more. Yeah. But maybe maybe that's the sign of a good book. Like it leaves you wanting yeah, more, you know? Maybe, yeah, you're right actually. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't a uh, Middlemarch that, that left me wanting substantially less. So Yeah, that's always good <laughs> that you when you want just a bit more and, and I feel like you're you're well, as I said, with the never ending story and um yeah, you know, the book about heaven. Um, I, I feel like, you know, the thoughts also just remain with you and you kind of extend it and you feel like, oh, I didn't. And even when you're thinking about it, you realize, oh, yeah, now after a few months, I realize what this meant. And yeah, stuff like that. That's yeah. always deep, I find. I'll just finish with one last thing I want to say from the book very briefly. There's a nice bit where the, the, the son is almost existentially kind of, you know, questioning his existence to his dad. And the dad is yeah. saying, like, science is everything. And, you know, sort of thing that matters is science. And the yeah. son says, um, but what happens if science doesn't make me happy? And the dad uh, yeah, basically no, says, you don't exist to make yourself happy. You exist to improve humanity. It's like, I didn't have you so that you could be happy. Okay. You know what? To be honest, that's very cruel. And at the same time, I kind of yeah. get it from a kind of twisted perspective. Yeah. It's very, I thought it was very sad. And at one point, the son yeah. then basically... His response is basically, well, if I if I can't be a genius in life, maybe I'll try to make an impact in death, and then there's just oh, tragedy wow. ensues. So it's, wow, it's, okay. it's actually very powerful. Uh, but you know, the same impression I got from Piero Barocha is contemporary with Eraldo de la Ciencia, which was I think written the year afterwards, mm. if not maybe a few, maybe 1910 actually. I'm not sure, but it's very similar in the sense of their academics, and it's they really want happiness. And science is almost in the way. It's a very similar theme. It's like progress science, what the Spanish believed in, didn't make them happy because in the end they lost it all. That's that's a big theme. And then they thought, oh yeah, we got science, we got positivism, which yeah. was a big thing in the eight and seventies. I would and then like, yeah, we still lost the empire, which no one's happier, suicide. Uh, yeah. First World War is just around the corner. You could feel it, you know, like First World War didn't just happen. There are things that happened before that which made you think this is escalating. So, yeah, like it's an unhappy period. You know? I would advise to pursue happiness, uh, guys. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> I read one more book, PJ. Um, this Correct. one, this one. You might have heard of uh, a little TV show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, uh, and if you haven't, the the episodes of our reviews are currently being released on our podcast feed. Uh, this is a 2004 TV show. It's only made six. Six twenty-two minute episodes, and it's got some of your favorites from the IT crowd: um, Richard Iwadi, Matt Berry. I um, oh, love Richard Iwadi. I showed this show to Robert, and we captured his reactions to this insane TV show, and we made a podcast of it. And now, uh, almost twenty years later, the TV show has been followed up with a book. It's Garth Marenghi's Terror Tome. Curl up with this book and die. I I don't know who this is for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there will be a book tour, I believe, the 1st of April. And I will uh, be attending that in Dublin. 1st of April, not just another coincidence. You have mentioned this book. Yeah, this book you mentioned to me a bit, so I know a bit what's about to come. This was um, Literary Masterpiece, would you say? This was just under 300 pages. Um, of paper. Uh, I wanted it so much to be great. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite TV <laughs> shows of all time. And I just, I think I really needed this book to exist. But then the book is essentially a joke, right? So it's like, but now you've got to read 300 pages. And the novelty kind of wears off about, you know, 20 pages in. And it's like, oh, but now I'm just stuck reading a deliberately bad book. Like, it's deliberately badly written. I mean, that's well, that's the whole okay. vibe. Like, the show is deliberately badly made. You can see the strings on the things and you can see the camera cuts and it's all kind of cheesy and bad. And this yeah. book, I mean, the stories are, are interesting, but they're this. This is not, uh, you know, high literature by by any stretch of the imagination. And you're just kind of left <laughs> reading this weird horror book. It's there's three stories, okay, which I'll just briefly touch on. But um, <laughs> there's also fright breaks. So if something is too graphic, they basically say the editor told us to take this out. But if you flick to the back of the book, you can read it. And here's the fright break. And then it's like some really graphic, like um, one of them is graphic sexually, but the others are graphic with violence. Like um, what's it called? Those kind of movies like Videodrome and like body horror kind of stuff. Uh, body horror, yeah. The body yeah. horror is coming into it. The Cronenberg stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. But it's also, it's written by Garth Marenghi, who is of course a fictional character. Oh, and... okay. Is it like didn't know that. Yeah, not, yeah. played yeah, by Matt, okay. Matthew Holmes. Um, so he's written this book, and Garth Marenghi, and you know, so in the TV show, Garth is an, a horror writer who's written Can't hundreds of Stephen books. Kind of person, yeah, yeah, written hundreds of books, but they're always like you know, Attack of the Killer, you know, insects or, or a sponge or something. It's always something ridiculous, you know, and um, it's more of that. So in yeah. this book. It's Garth Marenghi writing it, and he's writing. Okay, a- but, but one thing I didn't realize though is that he is the writer in the show, and so it's basically it's it's a book from the series, like that. One of the books, one of the many books of the series, is actually come Essentially, out. Essentially, yes, it's supposed to have been cool. started in the eighties and nineties and finally released, just like the TV show was. Except it's very confusing because Garth Marenghi is then present a fake character has written this book about Nick Steen. Nick Steen is the main character. He also happens to be a horror writer who has written hundreds of books, very similar to the Garth Marenghi books. So it's just these weird layers. And then in mm. one of the stories, uh, Nick Steen encounters an author called uh, Gareth Mereng, who is obviously Garth Marenghi. So we've got these weird kind of layers of um, these like B-movie type, uh, B-book horror writers. Mm. Um, so it gets a little bit confusing. And the story is always the same. And by the way, this is just what with Matthew Holness does. Like he made a movie on YouTube, a seventeen-minute short movie, which I watched, and it's about an old, washed-up horror writer. Like that's his his only thing. It's always the same vibe, right? So he finds a type. I don't know how to talk about this. He finds a typewriter, uh, an ancient Chinese typewriter that was made before typewriters were invented. Okay. And the typewriter is calling out to him in a shop that sells antiques and eels. That's eels, the the slippery animal. And he goes into the antique shop, which turns out to not be real and it disappears after he leaves it. And he buys this typewriter, which is calling out to him to come and buy him. And then he falls in love with the typewriter. And there are several erotic scenes um, involving the typewriter. I don't... Um, 
I don't really know how to review this book. <laughs> but this is a, a reference, by the way. I believe uh, it sounds like I don't know the show too well, but I've read enough Stephen King novels. This sounds like a reference to Christine, in the sense of the erotic mm. uh, love for an object. Well, there's three stories. Okay, so story one, it's focusing mainly on the typewriter. The guy starts writing these massive, 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 massive books, like super, so tall that it falls over and kills a guy at one point. Uh, his editor, fight Roz, fires him. She says, we can't publish this. It's full of like just punctuation and symbols. There's no coherent story. Um, your books aren't selling anymore, all this kind of stuff. He goes crazy. He's in this like really submissive um, relationship to the typewriter. He gets pulled into another realm at one point. The typewriter is actually a big monster. It's not really. A, it's just. It's, a, it's madness. That's story well, sounds one. Not, sounds like sounds not too bad. Sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Story two. Um, so how it ends? How the how the first story? This isn't really a spoiler as such, but the first story kind of ends with saying. Now all my, my nightmares have been unleashed upon the world. Just like in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, when they open the gates of hell and all his nightmares get unleashed on the world. So it really is recycling uh, ideas. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. <laughs> and the second story, Nick Steen has himself written a book about another guy who is called Bride of Bone, this story. So they try to... Now he's like, there's another guy and he's meeting, I think it's Capello, who's a character from his book. And there's a guy in an asylum, but it turns out that he's not real. He's been pulled out of the book. And there's just these different layers of like what's real and what's not. It's very confusing. The guy wants to have like a skeleton army and then he wants to cut off Roz's toes. And... Yeah, he wants he wants a bride who is made out of uh, bones and is a, is a skeleton bride. Then yeah, the third book, right. Darker Fractures. Uh, to be honest, like I'm sorry, but like uh, you know, I know I know enough about horror literature and film that this is just like dance macabre from Stephen King. This is just like someone who studied horror literature and films and just put a lot of ideas into one. I, I, I just hear like ten references. Yeah, which is okay, but it's not calling out for originality. No, it's it's, it's not meant to be. It's also oh, written okay. with like lots of jokes where he'll over-explain a point because he thinks like the readers aren't intelligent or there's loads of little footnotes or, um, and yeah, it's yeah, deliberately yeah, kind of funny. Purpose. That's that's his style, you know. But your problem is, you know, that the problem is it's not particularly funny. That that that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? It's not actually that funny, but it's just a bit. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, there's a touching scene with Capello and Stern um, where they decide that one of them is going to take over ownership of the other guy's gun or something because of them. Um, they, 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 he suddenly respects him as a man. Um, but there's, there's Sounds funny, it's just, it's difficult to, it's difficult to actually more. say that it's good. You know, that's the problem. Uh, it's difficult to actually say, you know, all oh, this is a genuinely enjoyable read. Um, here's a funny bit though an example of the humor so he says damn it i'm sorry i owe you a new battery this is a car battery and he says well, yeah. actually it's your car so you owe yourself one of course and the lights this technically nick those lights were your responsibility as the designated driver of the car says, well actually i'm not the registered owner of the car so any shortfall in battery capacity would ultimately affect your license damn it nick i'm gonna blast your bloody balls off if you keep it up like this and then they kind of develop a, a friendliness for each other because of this like manly rapport where they've over explained like driving license regulations this is the attempt at humor you know and it's the same from from the tv show actually okay 
But, but the, well, I, I, it doesn't sound like particularly. No, no. I'll briefly just mention. Has Robert that, read this, or has uh, maybe no, this is the no, next I don't podcast. think. Yeah, <laughs> reacting to every chapter. I'll briefly mention that the third story confuses things even more by having darker fractions. Oh, no where he there's like multiple different versions of the writer next turn like he unleashes all these different versions of himself from a series of planned sequels about the books where it's like the the cowboy version and this version and that version there's hundreds of versions of himself that are all trying to um kill himself and the book constantly says well darker fractions that doesn't make any sense shouldn't it be dark parts and then they these long bits about like the title of the book not making sense and, and this kind of thing it, I don't know what to say about this. It's weird because some of the scenes are very, very graphic, but then it's silly, but then it's, is it really funny? It's very derivative, but it's meant to be. I just don't know what this is or who it's for. <laughs> and are you going to see him on his tour? Yes. Right, okay. So I'm very excited. <laughs> okay, so in some sense, you're still a fan, but if I'm a B-movie, lower perspective. Yeah, and it's, and is and is dark place Robert going to join you? Is it going to be like a special episode? Are you going to interview him? This is this is what kids want to know. Well, that would be the the dream, but I I I, I don't believe so. Unless Garth Marenghi, if you are listening and would like to call in, uh, please feel free to do so. Um, but I will certainly attend the book tour in my Books Boys t shirt. I don't think Robert will come. I think the show was enough shock for for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love Rich Ayadi. I can't get enough of the chap, mm. especially in travel uh, series. I think he's he's a he's a gift for humanity. So if you're out to Richard Ayadi, that's my compliment for you. I, and I, and I love your uh, I love your sense of dress. Just want to add that as well. Love you, chap. Yes. I'm sad that this guy Matthew Holness, who actually plays Garth Marenghi, never really became famous after Dark Place. Yeah, he didn't become like yeah. It's not like Richard Ayadi. Right. Uh, I don't know why. But that's the last book that I read. Um, if anyone would like to get in touch, of course, you've got at Books Boys Podcast on Instagram. You've got booksboys at hotmail.com. And of just, of course, booksboys.com is the website. Go to Patreon, etc., etc. And I think this month I'm going to end with one of my songs from the 2022 tips. It's called The King of Nobody. Ooh. And um, that's all I've got. PJ, have we got anything else? Well, I just want to say that if you like literature and you love books, why don't you just support us? Give us a free gift, vegetables, books. Maybe just give us a lovely, a lovely letter. So, please do not, do not send me vegetables. You those me vegetables. PJ. Uh, the vegetables and the fruit goes to me and the, the pasta goes to Dean. And, um, give like a chocolate cake or something. I'll take that. Take I'll take the vegan I'll take the vegan chocolate cake. And we really appreciate you listening in. All I've got to say for this episode is read more ended. That's what I've got to say because he's a gem of a writer. And if I haven't expressed that again, um, then yeah, that's all I want to say. And also I just want to say that, um, yeah, just feel free to keep us sending us books. And we're always delighted to, to, to receive them and to hear about authors. Feel free to uh, yeah. call in or leave us little voicemails and things like that. Yeah, we haven't had a voicemail in a while. Um, those are always nice to receive. So yeah. we're happy to get those. And we're happy to be a service for you and to bring out um, different kinds of books, books that we love and books that we think are just unusual. And yeah, always lovely there. Always lovely to be there for you. Quick insight into next week. I'm doing this uh, next month. Sorry, this uh, Harlan Coben book, as I mentioned, it's a fun uh, crime one. There'll definitely be some Dumas 
And I don't know what's going to come course. after that, but there'll be there'll be an interesting uh, variety. So hopefully that that'll be good. Cool. But guys, if the DJ would spin that record, we'll be back in about a month. See ya. Days of glory. They are just a memory. Days of glory. I'm the king of nobody.
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor... Is it Fairy Tales? If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either pod safe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! Are we having this again? Is, is every single episode just going to be the same? Like, I feel like people are thinking we just cut and paste it and then eventually kind of add something. It's, just, it's like the same rhythm. Maybe we got this train though. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.